This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined as always by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk over um, a mixed week at United. Um, if you're watching the video, please like and subscribe. If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, Feel free to get your questions and comments in so we can discuss them during the show. If you're watching the replay, say hello. Feel free to comment. We do reply to all the comments that we get, or most, if we if we flag them and see them in time. Um, and if you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to give us a review on the platform you're listening on and subscribe, obviously, as well. Um, Paul, two very frustrating games at Old Trafford to discuss this week. Um, two occasions where... Really, you don't expect anything different from the opposition. And I, I'm trying to be careful with the way that I word these because I don't want to be condescending or patronising. Because I genuinely don't mean it. I can understand why teams play the certain way. Um, we'll talk about Ammonia, first of all. Um, great travelling support. Uh, they brought a, a great number and they were, they were loud. They were fantastic. I was a little bit surprised by Neil Lennon um, because they were as defensive at Old Trafford as they were opportunistic and, and on their own pitch. You know, they were, they really went for it. They gave it a good go. Um, but they played with, effectively, a back six. And the goalkeeper, Ozawa, had the game of his life. Um, great performance from him. I, I still... I, I'm always curious with these game of their lives from goalkeepers because you watch it and in the in the sort of like 90 minutes when the game's transpiring, you're like, oh my god, is anything going to beat this goalkeeper? And then you go and watch it back. The the for example, I always remember Schmeichel at Newcastle, and if you watch that game back, there aren't a number of great saves in it. What's real? The, the good thing about the goalkeeping is is the positioning, the the way that he makes it look simple, the calm that he gave the defense, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, when you watch the highlights back, there aren't that many outstanding saves from Uzoa that you think, oh, they were outstanding. You know, like that save was outstanding. Maybe the first one from Rashford, but apart from that, you might put it down to um, poor finishing. And success in the game eventually came through perseverance and an introduction of a different threat because I, I think what really did for them in the end, because they were very resilient, they were very organised, concentrated, they were very disciplined, 
But when you bring on the different threats in a game like that and a team's got something different to concentrate on, like Ericsson comes on, he creates things. Sancho is obviously uh, you know, up and down at the moment, but he's still a different threat. McTominay is a very different kind of player to the other midfielders that we had. And sometimes <coughs> even that difference in the way that it changes the players' levels of concentration, which need to be on point for 90-odd minutes, um, can do for it. And I think... I'm not trying to do United too much of a disservice because they did keep going for it. And it was an evening of frustration and patience. But when I'm, I'm trying to calculate what exactly made the change, um, it was probably just that, wasn't it? They're just the, They put on some different bodies. It gave the, the Cypriots something different to think about. And in that moment, United just kept knocking and finally found the way through. I think we have to say that the, the, the difference in quality of the ind- individuals made a difference, really. That's that's what it was about more than anything. And they held on. As long as it was nil-nil, they were going to keep fighting. And when you come against these sides, it's so important to score that first goal as early as possible. Yeah. It's as early to, to, put them back, to put them back on their heels, really. Yeah. So, um, and it never materialised. I'm sure every, everyone... Everyone in that stadium was just panic, you know, edgy about it. Were they gonna? Were they gonna break away? Were they gonna go and nick a goal? Um, but like you like you said, you do have maybe different play, different players, different threats. Um, generally, you don't bring on Scott McTominay to win a game of football. It's not a normal thing you'd, you'd normally do. But he goes and does it. There's a lot, you know. There was a lot of bodies in the box, and they were defending for their lives and. And in a certain way, you you feel you know you you know you should feel sorry for them. But if you actually come to a ground and you start with a your whole thing is about being negative and really showing no aspirations to go out and score a goal, sometimes as far as I'm concerned, you deserve what you get in the end. But still, given even Manchester United's, United's levels at this moment, they should be doing better than what yeah. they did. And that's, and that's the most disappointing thing. And and as we saw with yesterday, creativity is a problem because creativity was sitting on the bench in the um in the Europa Cup game, Europa League game, and creativity wasn't there for ninety minutes yesterday because there was there was a home ill. And again, it's a a big big problem for Manchester United. Yeah, let's talk about Newcastle there. Newcastle, you're right. First and foremost, from a United perspective, they didn't create enough. They weren't um, aggressive enough, perhaps, in, in certain moments. And when you draw a game nil-nil at home, then the onus is on you and you're going to look at yourself in the mirror. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking... I'm not making any excuses for United at all. But if you look at Newcastle, they played with such ambition against Man City. And yesterday... We did see a team that was bordering on ridiculous. They were throwing themselves to the ground all the time, wasting time, and there were some terrible refereeing decisions that we'll get to as well. On one occasion, though, it was in the second half, they stopped the game for treatment, and as soon as the game was about to resume, another Newcastle player dropped out. It was like, what are you, how, how is that? I mean, I, I'm 41, Paul. And I've never seen anything as ridiculous as that. Uh, do you think that I know that? Yeah, they're, they're playing a game or whatever. Um, 
you know, the onus is on United to break them down. And we'll talk about United in a moment, but what did you make of sort of Newcastle's um, approach yesterday? I've, I've seen it all before. It's, I think you remember, if I, if I actually come out and say a team to you, if you can remember about it, because everyone seems to remember once, once and then they get relegated, is Bournemouth. Yeah. That's, how, that's what Bournemouth do. And, well, you look where their management team come from. Yeah. And that says it all. And that's, and that's what they do. Bournemouth did it every single, every single game. The moment Bournemouth, and be honest, if, if they'd have gone 1-0 one, one up Newcastle, then it would have been worse than what it was. That's, that's, yeah. that's what an um, Eddie Howe team do. As much as he comes, you see him on TV, and he's like this blonde-haired, blue-eyed boy, smiley, and looks everything. His, um, his approach is very much kill time, kill time, which which is really, in theory, killing our football at this moment. Football is, football is not entertaining in the Premier League as such with certain teams, the way they want to play. They, they, every, you know, People are scared of losing games, and we see now there's a World Cup in Christmas. It means that teams are reacting a lot quicker than they normally would with the fact of decisions about managers. So everyone is scared to lose that, that one. Two on the bounce is really bad now in the Premier League. So it's that negativity we're seeing. And I don't, I really don't see it. Maybe it's my age. And thank you for mentioning that you're only 41, by the way, a bit, bit uncalled for. But, um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm watching that and I'm seeing people go down. And I'm getting so mad because people are going down. When you know there's been no contact, I don't see how they can do it, how you can actually do that yourself as a man, how you can do it. When you get kicked in the shin, you go down holding your head. I don't know. People say, oh, the managers tell them to do it. They practice it in training. Of course you can't practice that in training. It's, it'd be embarrassing if it was like that. People would have taken pictures already to go and do that. So it's, it's just the players. And that's the way that football is. But, you know, there used to be that time, and I keep talking about it, and I blow the dust off the stories at some point, is that when you wouldn't go down because you didn't want to show that person that they had hurt you. There yeah. was that. There was that time in football, which was everywhere, all levels. But Wayne, I, I watch non-league football when um, I'm not when I'm not working at a game or got, or been invited to a game, and um, professional level. And non-league football is exactly the same. They're they're replicating everything that happens at football we see on the TV, and down to the fainting injuries to the fact of sacking managers, the way they're doing it. And so, so it's not making sense at, our, at this, you know, the circus level, as I call it, and it's making no sense at all in the grassroots levels as well. Why managers are going? So, um, it's it's strange and it's it's totally wrong. I get embarrassed by it, I get incensed by it when I'm doing my work on the radio. If a player's there and I see him go down, you know, I don't just turn around and say, you know, he's doing what anyone would do. I say, no, that fella's cheating. Because yeah. it is cheating. It is cheating. There's no, no, there's no point. Referees keep falling for it because they're scared to make a decision, because they're worried that if he, if he does, you know, go any, he, and he has got a head problem, is he going to get sued? Sued? Is he? People going to have a go at him in the street because that's where it is now. People want to bully people yeah. after a game of football. So it's, it's, it's tough on certain referees, and I say certain referees because there's still those few referees who are 
enjoying that moment. It's like it's their traffic it's their traffic warden moment where they think they're in charge. They've got they've got a uniform on, back, you know, their shoulders, and they think that's them. They're in a, they're, you know, they're in a position of command. Yeah, um, we'll talk about the referee in a minute, and we'll circle back to Newcastle with that. But I do want to, you know, it's we've got to talk about United and and you know the onus was on them to break down that resolve and the fact that you know Newcastle weren't as um, unadventurous as Ammonia you know they came they, they you know they were trying to attack and you know the, the set pieces were you know they were rolling the ball and having Trippier lump it long and all that that was happening they were trying to score goals um but they were so compact in defence and, and the fact of the matter is it seems sometimes like United were playing to their own weaknesses you know that Obviously, you've got Ronaldo as a static forward, and his supply line is Anthony and Sancho, who, you know, they were too predictable cutting in. They knew they were going to cut in, which is fine, but the fullbacks were coming into the middle as well. They weren't going out um, on, on the overlap or anything. So you're making the, the pitch more compact. There was no little creativity in there. You know, Fernandez, the player who you would presume is going to bring it, and then it was too compact even for him to. To make a difference if he if he was on song, but you know, especially you know, when you've got a player like Fred as well in that in that situation, and you know, Fred excels in the big games where he's breaking up the play and passing the ball on. But in a game like that where um, you need patience and you need good decisions, and, and you know, patient decisions and wise decisions, you have Fred who isn't patient and he's prone to rash decisions. And um, I'm not calling him out; he, he played poorly, but. Even the game plan from the manager seemed a bit, you know, like everything seemed to be in the middle. There was no utilizing any of the spaces around, and and it really didn't help. It didn't really seem to be United playing to the strengths yesterday. What they did have, because obviously they didn't have Ericsson, so they needed to find solutions from elsewhere. And it just seemed like United were compounding their own issues. And and still, even though all that happened, you know, Rashford comes on. And Fred and Rashford have these massive chances to win the game. Um, where, where do you stand? And we've we've looked a lot about um, on Ten Hag's decisions and his squad choices and his team selections. Obviously, a little bit hamstrung yesterday because Martial's injured and and Ericsson was ill. But in terms of what he had and the way that we set up, do you think that um, is it one way you can sort of say? That, he should have made an extra change. He should have done something a little bit different because it was obvious about 10 minutes in that it wasn't working. Well, you mentioned it at the top of what you just said there is that two wingers, two um, wide players who were cutting in and they knew they knew what United were doing. Well, the, the change he should have made was, well, put Antti on the left for five minutes and put Sancho on his right foot and see... I thought Anthony may have been United's best player. Yeah. Just by the fact you thought, oh, there's something that might happen. Every time he got in great areas, he was trying to cross with the outside of his left foot. That works now and again, but every you just knew that you needed something that was always going to go that little bit deeper. Everything you hit was always to the front of the goal. It never went to the back of the goal. It never op- offered an opportunity for Ronaldo to jump with anybody. Um, every time he did go, there was only Ronaldo running into the box. There wasn't anyone else. Yeah. If you could look it back, and I can still remember it, four or five times he he got he got the other side of Dan Byrne, which is tough work, by the way, and he'd done it on quite a few occasions. 
and it was only Ronaldo. There wasn't a, a midfield player running in that box, and it, it was it was quite poor. When you look at Fernandez, is supposed to be maybe doing that. Fred will always try and do that, but Fernandez was the one who should have been joining Ronaldo. He wasn't when it was needed most. When Anthony had got the other side of Dan Byrne, but you just wonder could that could um, Anthony have got the uh, gone to the other side? And then seeing how it affected Trippier, in the sense of Trippier, as he does, he, he tries to make himself a focal point. In other words, he's a bit busy. Um, he's got a very, very, you know, high about himself. That he's, you know, that he can control things from that right back position. Put Anthony up against him and see how well he does with someone who wants to run the other side of him. Stop yeah. him. Stop him trying to dictate a game of football from where he is, force him back, don't allow him to step forward, which he wouldn't have done because he wouldn't have liked the pace of Anthony. Yeah. And that's the first time I've really seen that pace. And then get Sancho with his movement with the ball, trying to tie those long legs of Dan Byrne, you know, tie him up or see if he could get around the other side of him and put crosses in with his right foot so they're coming away from the goal for oh, Ronaldo to, to attack. And he never, he never done that. I think there was maybe the opportunity to try something different from the bench as well, um, just to change it up. And again, it did need, both sides really did need to change it up, but Newcastle were never going to change because for them, it was a competent away performance. Yeah. I said, it, you know, they'll, they'll walk away and they definitely walked away the better, you know, more happy of the two sides. I just think it, it did, it got quite stale. And, and when they did allow United to have the ball, United kept getting it. How many times did they go back over the halfway line with it when initially there was on the edge of their box? Yeah. And I think a lot of that, and I'm going to say this, and if people want to moan about it, I think they've got to understand that prior to everything we've been through in the last two years, I'm still allowed an opinion. It's not called an agenda. It's called an opinion. And then what is, I'm going to try and explain why I'm saying it. So it's not about one person, but it's about that one person it's frustrating. And it is, it is Fernandes. And if that person, if those people want to watch a game and see what Fernandes does and how that game was, it needed Fernandes to become Manchester United's creative force. But what he went and done when the game slowed down, he went and stood on the same line as Ronaldo and where Anthony was playing and where Sancho was playing. So you end up with four players on the back line on the back, and Newcastle players, Newcastle defenders just closed in and they just virtually said, try and play the ball into them. And, and Fernandes wasn't helping his teammates because every time he was showing up and putting his arms in the air, he never knew that there was a player standing directly behind him. But what he does, he throws his arms up in the air. And that's, and that's every time, that's what he kept doing. So every commentator would, be, would have been saying, oh, he's getting frustrated. But it's in a manner that, it's that player's fault with the ball at his feet. It's not their fault. They can't give the ball to someone with three, with three players around him who at the moment, if they give it to him and he loses it, they're counter-attacking and hitting a defence which is quite spread out because they've got the ball. Yeah. They're trying to keep the ball. So he needed to pull out, may have dragged someone with him and needed to get on the ball because he was the maybe the most creative player or allegedly in that team, without Ericsson now, in a central in that central role, so it was it was a big big problem, and Fernandez is a problem at this moment in time. The way United are playing, I just don't know 
how you can get the best out of him at this moment in time. Because he, he wants... Go on, sorry. No, he did. Like he, he, The observation that you made there, it was one that I was thinking about in the second half. It seemed like he was playing as a striker alongside Ronaldo, and that was like, that's not mm. your responsibility. You've got to be back, especially at this moment in time, because we're not creating anything. That's... Mm. You're absolutely right with that. Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't mind it because he, he generally ends up in that position because he, ma- he makes a run forward. Again, he's running and he's throwing his arms up in the air like my 16-month-old granddaughter. He's, run, he's running like that, trying to say, give me the ball. You couldn't give him the ball because the defence was so tight. But the moment he makes that run, his body language is, oh, and he stands there then. And then he's in that line. He doesn't try to come round and try and say, right, okay. I'm going to go and do it. I'm going to go and try something else. I just want him not to be so selfish and about himself. I want him, he's wearing the armband, which means he's captain, earn that respect to being a captain and talk to people. Try and be positive with people. When you make a run, they don't give it to you. Then go and make another run. But don't throw your arms up and saying, like you're saying to 74,000 Manchester United fans, it's not my fault they didn't give me the ball. Yeah. Because that because that kind of attitude generally, and again, I'm going to say, back when I was playing, would have got a proper captain with his with his fist and his arm round your throat, twisting your shirt and saying, "Do not go and make your teammates look like idiots." Yeah, and yeah. which was which was poor. So I'll say this again for the people who think that I've got an agenda. I haven't got an agenda. I'm just picking out things. And normally, it's the same player, and everyone is seeing it. It's seeing it. It's, it's not good. It's not good at all, because thinking as a player, as an ex-player, thinking how the modern-day footballer is today, is that they're not happy. They're not happy with that man and the way he's conducting themselves. And some of them are saying, why has he got the armband? They would never say it. They'll come out and say all the usual stuff. Oh, he's a great captain. He's this, he's that. They want to the truth because someone's got a camera in their face, someone's going to write it down, or someone's got a mic. It's going to go. But they're not. They can't be happy with him and the way he conducts himself on the field as a captain. Yeah, it's it's a tough one because um, you don't know how much of it. The, the The issue is the the direction, right? Because you don't know if if this is Bruno doing his own thing. Like you know, the, does he like to take up that position as a second striker or? Or is this the direction from the manager? And you would presume it's got to be the latter that Ten Hag's telling him to do it. But he doesn't. Um, Wayne, I'm not a coach. I'm not. But I know that the moment he makes that run into there, and he, he doesn't come off. There's not a ball played through. He's got to step away, and he's got to step and virtually become the playmaker again. Brian yeah. Robson used to make those kind of runs. If if Robbo didn't get the ball, he wouldn't just suddenly. Staying once that passage of play had stopped and the board come out, Robbo would then position himself so he's facing the goal again, so he could see what's happened, going to happen next, and he could make play happen again. That's yeah. what Robbo. That's what Robbo would do. That's what Roy would Roy would have done in his prime. Paul Ince would have done exactly the same. I mean, you look at Scolzi. Scolzi used to make the old, but Scolzi would come out and look to face the play because that was a strength. Back to play. Standing there waiting for the ball isn't a strength for those players I've named, nor is it a, is it a strength of Fernandes either. So, so on Ten Hag isn't you know isn't telling him to do that. He is doing that off his own back. Yeah, 
it's interesting because Skulls was doing, he did a, a pod, you know, he's been doing a couple of podcasts with Gary Neville lately, and I watched one of them, and he was talking about receiving the ball on the half turn, and, you know, you don't often see midfielders do that, and you definitely don't see the United midfielders do that, and maybe that's something to um, look at. Um, yeah, uh, let's get on to the referee, Craig Pawson. Um, so there was a possible penalty on Wilson in the first half. Now, that looked like a shoulder barge from Varane, and in the second half, Rashford was knocked over with a, a shoulder barge and the referee he very clearly indicated look that was a shoulder. Do you know what I mean? So that's that was the rule that he was taking with that. All right, fair enough. The there was a, a penalty appeal on Sancho when the leg came round. Um on first viewing, I thought it was a penalty. Um on second viewing, I wasn't so sure, but then I saw the angle where he's, there's definite contact and he sort of knocked down. So I don't understand why that one wasn't given on appeal. Um, and then the Ronaldo, um, I, I don't know if I can even, I don't know how to call it a, a disallowed goal because I, Paulson blows and the the kick is taken from the player. And Newcastle played this game the entire, they played, you will know, you watched it. They played this, this routine was played throughout the 90 minutes where one player would just roll the ball and then, Either Trippier would lump it long or the goalkeeper would lump it long. The ball was in play and that's how they played it. So that was their technique of playing that all game. So if the ball's in play, from the minute the referee's blown his whistle and the players kicked it, Ronaldo's entitled to score that goal. And I don't understand how the referee can say that that's not a goal. I, I, honestly, that's one of the... And, I, you know, we all remember Roy Carroll his wonder save against Spurs where he somehow clawed the ball out from behind the line and we still don't know how he managed to do it. But that's up there with... And I, you might see this very differently, Paul, because you might see it as like, you know, it's just one of those things. But I, I thought it was a ludicrous decision. I don't know how the referee has got the temerity. I, I, I somewhat understand why he didn't give the Sancho pen because he's probably thinking, I, I should have given that Wilson one and he's equaling it out because that's what referees do. But the Ronaldo one, I just I can't get my head around it. Um, and, and bef- you know, beyond that, he obviously didn't he didn't have a, a great control on on the game, considering the way that the Newcastle players were falling down. Um, what did you make of those big calls yesterday? Because I, for me, they they seem, and I don't know if I'm just like reacting like a you know I'm a bit annoyed United fan and we didn't break him down and that would have been the difference between winning and losing. Maybe I'm a like, Big grumpy about that, considering the way that they played as well. Um, what did you make of the decision? Um, I wouldn't say I was a hundred percent on both of those. The Wilson one, I thought, um, Varane and I think it was Shaw, wasn't it? Yeah. Both of them made a little bit of a pig's ear of that indecision. Could the referee have given that? I don't think there was a big enough Varane to step to step to cross in. There wasn't big enough one there to give that as a penalty. The one with Sancho, no. Um, if anything, he overcooked it when he went down. Overcooked it. There wasn't anything natural in the way he went down. When yeah. in theory as well, he should have maybe done something with the ball a lot early. He dallied on the ball for too long. On, a t- on and Looking on the other side of it, when he had an opportunity to take a shot or put someone in. <clears throat> um, but both of those challenges, and I always say this, is that if they're out, if, if they're outside the box, they'll be given a fouls. Yeah. It's a different different kind of foul needed in the box. Strange, but so yeah. it's true. It's a different kind of foul. The Ronaldo one, 
I called it a goal. <clears throat> I called it a goal. And that time, there was a referee's whistle. There's the referee's whistle. <clears throat> if the goalkeeper had picked the ball up, I think there was a good pick the ball up to 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 put it somewhere more comfortable where he want it. I think there's every chance a referee could have done pick put the goalkeeper for a handball. Yeah. But definitely that that ball was played to play the game again. And as you said, I did find it strange how Newcastle always kept every free kick was always tucked. Even from the goal kicks, they touched it to the goalkeeper. I don't know. Always, I, I don't know. Strange system, but that's what they always, always done. And Ronaldo, being clever, being quite sharp, and and loves loving to score goals. Saw an opportunity to go and and do something. And the moment he stood there, I thought to myself, why does he look like that? He's, I thought to myself, that's a bit strange. He looks like he's. He, does he think it's like indirect or something that he can maybe go and nick it? Off the second one, it seemed a bit strange, but he didn't. And he and you watch and you've seen it, Wayne. And I've watched it again, and I've watched what he's doing. And he was like creeping, he's creeping there, and he knew it. He'd, he'd read the situation. The only problem, as far as I'm concerned, is saying is that the referee bottled the situation. Yeah, massively. Yeah, I think it, I think he bottled the situation, referee, and he and he just went with what he thought. Well, it's, no, he was just giving it back to him. I'll be interested t- today when, when I watch it and I watch it after after this show we're doing. I will watch it on on Ref Watch and see yeah. and see what's said in there. The um the in-house referee says on there about it, but I I don't see why it doesn't make sense why he didn't give that goal when it, it didn't make even more sense why he bought Ronaldo. Yeah. You know, after that, it was just you know it wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't as if he was running out the wall trying to kick in the ball away. Yeah. He's gone there generally believing that. So that's the problem with referees. If you know, referees now have become robots. Referees now, majority of them now, their game is run by that by that machine on the halfway line or wherever it is in the football ground. Referees are not refereeing. They know they've got a get out in people in the studio who are watching the game and they're making decisions for them. Yeah. So, so referees are not making their own decisions and standing by them now. They're not being men, to be perfectly honest. And I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for saying that, by the way. But um, but they're not. But they're not. But they're not. They're not. They're not it's, making it's their not, own decision. It's, it's not about being men. It's about being your own person and making that decision. Yeah. That's what you mean. And and you're right. It's just he, he did massively bottle that. I, I can't. There's. It wouldn't be, you know, I, I would be the first person, even in my grumpiness of United not winning, if they hadn't played like that all the game, then I'd be like, all right, well, you know, the referee, he blew, but it wasn't clear because, that, you know, maybe he was just touching the ball to him. But that was their game plan. They were doing it all the game. That It was clearly taken. How, like, and how he didn't take that, how no one actually spoke to him in this day and age when you've got all that technology, no one talked to him. And then to book Ronaldo for protesting because he made the mistake sums up today's referees because they think if they double down on it that way, it's avoiding the thing. It's, it's ridiculous, honestly. It was, I just, you know, and United are culpable. United are culpable because, you know, they should have, they should have scored other than that. Or they should have tried to create. They don't have a divine, divine right to win. You know, I just... The other thing is, like, I know Eddie Howe is there doing what Eddie Howe does. You know, he, he's 
quite happy to be in this job as I guess a stopgap until they're properly challenging for something. Because he knows he's not going to be there when they're not challenging for the Champions League. I just think like how you can look at and a lot of Newcastle fans are getting a little bit uppity about it, and there are a lot knocking on my door on Twitter this morning because I'm complaining about the decisions. But it's like they've oh they've suddenly got a voice like after years because the club's been sport washed into into accepting this and it's like wow you know like you I, I watched them play against City early in the season and they were they were so entertaining and then don't get me wrong they they were kind of time wasters when they came to Old Trafford last season until we scored but like they, yesterday was it was very very peculiar um one one nice thing out of the game i guess david de gea kept a clean sheet it was his 500th appearance so um you know it's a landmark for him it makes he's extending his record as the second most um appearances from a goalkeeper behind alex stepney alex stepney recently turned eight so they introduced them before the game for each other um de gea should pass Stepney's appearance record this season and, you know, after early season shakes, he looks like he's kind of getting um, on board with Tenog style of play, apart from this incessant tendency to play these goal kicks short, which we're still doing as we did yesterday. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, so we'll talk about Spurs then. Spurs are the next game. We play them at Old Trafford on Wednesday. Um, 8.15, kickoff. Absolutely fantastic. Um, said nobody at all. Um, just, just one defeat for Spurs all season at Arsenal. Other than that, they've been very consistent. Paul Kane's in good form at the moment. Sun's in good form always. Anyway, um, so they're looking tricky. The good, as good for Spurs is that Conte's got them looking more resolute than what you would normally see at a Spurs side. Being you're obviously. You, you watch Spurs a lot. Um, what, what do you make of them? What do you reckon of the task that's facing United on? They're boring. They're bland. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they've lost to Arsenal. Um, there hasn't been many games that they have deserved to win, to be perfectly honest. Um, you mentioned about Harry Kane. Harry Kane has scored goals. That's all that Harry Kane has done because his general play has been poor. Um okay. We've seen that, you know, and as much as everybody wants to say it, and I'm sure other people will see things differently, um, he's, he's not really the threat. The threat is son, really. He's the threat. He's the one who had a not a poor start. It just wasn't there for him. Things weren't going right. Um, the press suddenly put him, un, put him under pressure, pressure of the media. No one went at Harry Kane. When he was yeah. just as bad, really, maybe even worse, because he wasn't touching the ball. Some was always going looking for the ball. Um, it was a case of dropping him um, when it should have been theory, dropping Kane and putting Ricardus and his son, getting those two together, two workaholics, who I think, knowing what Conte's like, that's, that's what he likes. He likes players who want to work and all areas of the park. But in general, they... They've just about got over the line, Spurs, in their performances and their results. The results have masked over some poor, poor performances, to be perfectly honest. And United have really got to show a little bit more. This could this could be quite a terrible game, in theory, because you've got, you've got two sides. This, this game normally is a big game when it's at Old Trafford. 
when yeah. when Tottenham come in, it's quite you know many have seen a bit of flamboyancy, two sides who have all those kind of players, a razzmatazz that go with it. But Spurs at the moment, I was at the Spurs v Wolves game and ended up staying behind. I worked, I was working, ended up being invited by a lot of the ex players who work who um who work around the ground. I went into one of their boxes. Blimey, this box was like a West End blooming apartment. It was beautiful. So I'm in there with a lot of the old players. And one of their one of their greatest players turned around and used the word saying, this must be the, one of the most uncreative Tottenham sides I've ever seen in my life. Wow. That's what that's what he said. That that person. He played he played in central midfield for him for quite a number of seasons. So that's as that's as far as I go with that. But um it was and I'm and I was there and, and that's what I'd been saying and when I worked that game on the radio about I'd never seen a Spurs the Spurs side who had lacked so many ideas in midfield. So United, I'm hoping that Ericsson's going to be fine to be able to play against his old team because they're going to they're going to need him because if the game the game's going to need Ericsson out there by the way because he will be the most creative player on that pitch yeah. without without a shadow of a doubt if he plays and they're they're going to need him. And one thing as well, what they're they're going to have to create opportunities to score goals and not maybe miss golden opportunities as they did yesterday, Manchester United. Yeah. So this game normally is one, one that is always marked on the calendar. Always. This game, Manchester United v Tottenham, you know, it's not being talked about at this moment in time. Yeah. And yeah, you, you're quite right. In, in years past, this was like the entertainers game, wasn't it? It was like, you know, two teams are going to play football and you just don't, I'm not saying United won't try and play, but it, you don't know what to expect. You, apart from the fact that you don't anticipate a lot of entertainment, which is strange to say uh, for, for one of those games. Um, and that's going to be followed by Chelsea away. So we're going to be talking about two big games next week. Chelsea away. Um, so it was a mixed start for them. And then they um, sacked Tuchel. Um, and it was a bit of a shock when they sacked him. Um, they hired Graham Potter, which possibly even a bigger shock considering the, the nature of the, the managers that they normally hire. Um, and he's had a really good start to life as Chelsea manager. You know, he obviously did fantastic things at Brighton. Everybody loved him there. Um, he, he really rebuilt that club. And, but, I mean, they've got a, re- a great structure there as well, Brighton. Um, but uh, he started really well at Chelsea. Notable wins against Milan as well. I know Milan aren't the force that they used to be, but you win against AC Milan and you win in the San Siro then that's something to, to really um, take credit for. And um, it, this is, I mean, it gives credence. I, we're very, very early days, like a month into it, but it gives credence to the idea that, you know, maybe British coaches aren't terrible. You know, Graham Potter has started really well, so it's going to be a, a massively tough game for you. It always is at Chelsea, but especially so because of the confidence that they're currently going to have. Yeah, um, w- without a doubt, that game... Um... So I just look. Chelsea have changed, have changed. The Tuchel situation was a, it was down more to the more to the fact of I think the relationship with him and a new owner. Yeah. Uh, I mean that's the thing. I think when a new owner tries to do well, what he done to Tuchel after a game didn't make you know. I don't think any manager would have stood for it. So Tuchel said his piece, and I, and that really added to everything. And he was never going to be able to work for that man. Graham Potter come in, and I was—I think everyone was surprised how he's come up. But that must have been going on in the background. 
and he has made a difference. I think there's players have reacted well. And just prior to that, I'd been to a couple of Chelsea games and seen them, and they just didn't have any idea. They looked like they was never going to score a goal. Nice, pretty little stuff, but was never going to score a goal. Um, I look at some of the signings. I look at Koulibaly and Thiago. Takes a really good side or good players around to get away with those two week in, week out, because you're certainly lacking pace. Plenty of experience. Yeah. One of them, a lot of experience in the Italian league, Koulibaly. Thiago, you know, seems he comes out with pipes, slippers, and a, and a, you know, and a smoking jacket on. It's just incredible how he plays the game of football. Never looks flustered, but he still needs energy around. We've got Aspia Quetta to add in there as well. Tuchel seemed content to want to play that. Teams that wanted to go at you, they couldn't really deal with it constantly. But I just think now, given that result yesterday, which given the lift, even though Villa gave him a gave him a right good a right good going over as well. Yeah. That they're on a high at the moment, and especially at home, there's that little bit of belief now. Where before under Tuchel, they were losing that. But then as well, United don't mind a battle at the bridge, do they? Really, it always is the fan. You know, it's a it's a massive game for Chelsea. The Chelsea fans will be, you know, will be making a lot of noise because that game against Manchester United is a big, big game for them, and it's come at a time which they're mostly relishing at the moment, given their recent performance under the the new man. And we know with Graham Potter at Brighton and what Brighton have done to United over recent seasons, Okay, results haven't always gone their way, but the way they performed and they always outplayed Manchester United in his brock when he was a Brighton manager, he will try and change Chelsea and and try and improve them on their ball retention because the one difference between Chelsea ball possession and a Graham Potter's retention is that Graham Potter is always looking for progression. The yeah. likes of Jorginho will be passing more forwards than sidewards. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Like I said, Brighton did often play outplay United um, when Potter was there. So um, with the better players, the better squad, he'll be wanting to sort of emphasise that legacy. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about that game. If you've enjoyed the show, give us a like and subscribe on YouTube. And um, give us a rating and a review on the platform. You're listening back on the audio podcast as well. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening and thanks for watching. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.